Turn to Second Chronicles, if you will, chapter 20. Lord, we pause in your presence this morning to thank you for all the wonderful things you've done for us. You're an all-sufficient God. You're so powerful and so sovereign that nothing confounds you and nothing and no one is your peer. We've gathered around the word of the Lord at this moment, and God, our ears are attentive and our hearts are focused. Help us, Lord, to glean from your word spiritual truth that will feed our spirit man. Touch us, O Lord, with the enablement of the anointing of God as an instrument in your hand, O Lord, for delivering the word that you've sent. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Last week we talked about how that God provides for us during times of transition. We also discovered that it's during times of transition that it seems as if our adversary uh, purposefully puts attack in our way at those transition points. I talked to you about installing these cameras around at transition points, where we come out and when we go in, because it seems at those times we're most vulnerable to something going wrong. In our lives individually, that's true also. When we're going into something or when we're coming out of something, usually that's a transition that uh, makes us vulnerable at times. And we need God's grace and God's help to make it through those times of transition. Change. Why is change so difficult for us? Ah, well, it's just because we're human, I guess, and we just kind of like the way we do it. We're creatures of habit, and we just kind of get used to doing things a certain way. Someone said this week, why is it so hard for us to break old habits? Because we've always done it that way. Yeah, I told you about the ham and the lady that uh, her husband asked her, said, why do you always cut the tip off the ham like that? She said, well, I, I did that because my mother did that and said, I, I don't know, I just did it because she did. And so she was very interested about it, so she called her mother and she said, uh, Mom, why do you always cut the tip end off of uh, the ham when you bake the ham? She said, because my pan is too small. Sometimes you'll find out that the reason we have always done it that way is quite a trivial and a, and a small, insignificant thing. Yeah, but transition is a time of, of change. The Bible tells us that people in the Word of God handled change much like we do. They just didn't like it. In fact, uh, the whole Bible is about Israel's refusal to change. In fact, they had the temple uh, worship and the Levitical system and the tabernacle worship so established that they just could not depart from that way. In fact, the Bible said Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not, though they were supposed to be looking for him. But as many as did receive him, gave he power to become the sons of God. I want to tell you that God is sufficient for transition times. God is a God who, the Bible said, always causes us to triumph. Well, how many times is always? In other words, it never fails. God always causes us to triumph. And in all things, it didn't say through all things, it says in, while you're in it. Not after you got through it, but in it. In all things, 
God hath made us more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. I have found over these many, many years of doing what I do that depending upon God is always the best advice you'll get. It really is. I've gone to many pastor's conferences over the years and, and uh, done many of them myself. And little slogans come out of, uh, of those uh, meetings and pastors are advised on ways to do and how to handle. One of the most prominent ones we are we have at uh, these conferences is you need to pick your battles, choose your battles. Choose what's worth fighting for. Choose times and whether it's right time to do that or not. And uh, that's probably real good advice. I have people that come to talk with me over the years about marital situations and family situations. And uh, I advise them, you know, you need to, need to lose that warfare language, you know, and stop using those absolute terms like never and always. Those are combative. And they, they put limits on things that you just can't hardly get around those things. Uh, I've been married to Debbie 45 years. Amen. And you would think after 45 years, she would know better than to put the forks in the dishwasher with the fork end up. 45 years and she still don't get it. Still does it. Well, what I'm talking about is you have to kind of figure out what's worth fighting over and what's worth uh, going to combat over, you know. And uh, after 45 years, I want to tell you, the way she puts forks in the dishwasher is not one of them. A lot more important things than that to go to combat about. In Second Chronicles, the Bible tells us about a, a great king. Great king. His name was Jehoshaphat. Can you say that? Jehoshaphat. I know you can say the fat part. Jehoshaphat. Boy, what a great man Jehoshaphat was. What a great king he was. He was a revivalist. He was a, a, a man that was stirred for God, had great zeal for God. In fact, they needed revival when Jehoshaphat came to the throne of Judah. They were in the southern kingdom, so Israel, the northern kingdom, was kind of separated, and there was a king named Ahab in the northern kingdom at this time. And we all know about his famous wife. What was her name? Boy, you're sharp on that one, aren't you? Jezebel. Yeah. And Jehoshaphat had, had come to the throne. His father's name was Asa. And the Bible said that Asa did that which was right in the sight of God. And that Asa walked in the statutes and walked in the commandments of the Lord. That he re restored and, and fixed up things that needed to be repaired. And he was a revivalist. And naturally he had a son that was a revivalist also. And when Jehoshaphat came to the throne, he started repairing many of the breaches and continuing the work of his father. He tore down the high places where the, the, the Ashura poles and all the paganistic uh, things were done there in the name of worship that had nothing to do with worshiping God. It was actually a, a pagan ritual. He did all of those things to, to take that down. It started revival. In fact, the Bible said that in Jerusalem, he, he restored the, the places that were sacred, the places that uh, God had 
uh, held dear to the, to the people were symbolic of his deliverance and his healing and his blessing among them. Jehoshaphat was a person that did what was right in the sight of God. It wasn't long before he was challenged, though, because Ahab was wanting to go to war. Now, be careful who you go to war with. Not just to fight against them, to fight alongside, because many people would love to get you in their fight. Read a little bit of Facebook and you can find all about it. People who want to get you on their side in a fight. Be careful who you go to war with. Well, Ahab came down and he said to Jehoshaphat, he said, said, you're bone of my bone, you're flesh of my flesh, we're, we're sons of Abraham, we're, we're all of the same, same family, and said, I've got a, got a fight going on up here. And they said, I need you to join in with me and let's get in this fight. If you'll fight with me, said, uh, we'll, we'll do great things because we're far stronger if we can join together. And after all, we're family. Well, it wasn't long till Jehoshaphat got out there in the battle and got to fighting and found out this is not going to be easy. In fact, that's the battle that Ahab got killed in. Did you know some folks can get you in a battle and get you killed? Did you know some folks can get you into a, a conflict and uh, get you into a situation where yeah, you could get killed? Hey, fortunately, Jehoshaphat didn't get killed in that one. Wasn't long, though, before here came some kings that wanted to Ahaziah, and they wanted to join up with him in a, in a business venture. They said, let's get a fleet of ships and let's go to uh, Ophir and said, let's get some gold. I understand they've struck gold at Ophir and said, if we'll just join together, we can form a real strong company that can go over there and we'll get ships and we'll get fleets and we'll get, we'll get trained sailors and we'll just ensure that it's going to be successful. And if you'll just join up with this business venture, we'll make a lot of money. Be careful. So it wasn't long before Jehoshaphat got sold on that situation and he joined in the venture and one of the saddest scriptures, it's in the 19th chapter, I think, of Second Chronicles. It says, but the ships went not, for they were broken upon the rocks at Zion Jeber. Well, what happened was a storm came and blew the whole fleet up on the rocks, and it wasn't long till they all sank, and nothing came back of the venture with his friends. So, Jehoshaphat has been around a while and found out that joining something is not always the best thing you can do. That sometimes company and joining up with some folks that have some wild ideas can get you at risk. Well, what happened was Jehoshaphat was a great king having revival. God was blessing. They were doing great things. How many of you know that when spiritual tide is high that's usually when you come under attack usually when things are going good what's the song that they sung not long ago and Glenn Bean used to sing it was such a lovely day the sun was shining bright yeah not a storm cloud was in sight Lisa sung it that's right but suddenly 
without warning. Storm clouds. What happens when everything's going good and you're sailing right along and it's such a lovely day and the kids are well and you got good income and everything's going well, got a nice house, got clothes to wear, everything's going so well and suddenly, suddenly, somebody brings you some news and it changes everything. In this day of information, it's amazing how that news can just change everything. Your whole day, one knock at the door and everything changes. Not long ago, I had to deliver a death message to one of our members and uh, just took them totally by surprise to tell them about a granddaughter that was killed in a car wreck. That's, that's some of the, those times when your world just changes all of a sudden. I've had the misfortune of having to go to a home and telling a, a wife whose husband was in a, a war in, in the Middle East that he's not coming back home. That's tough when you walk in and deliver messages that puts people's world in a spin. That suddenly everything that was so good and everything that was so right and everything that was so pleasing and everything that was so helpful and blessed suddenly just changes and everything has taken on a different light. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Don't be afraid, and don't be dismayed. Don't be down, and don't be depressed. Because the battle is not yours. You see, some of us are laboring, thinking that the battle is ours. Some of us feel like there's something we've got to do. Some of us feel like there's something we've got to uh, mysteriously uh, discover, some secret truth that we've just been missing, that if we just do this or just do that, that things will work out. And we just go day by day expecting at some point for the tide to change and we're going to start winning. But for us, that becomes a long ordeal because, number one, it's not meant for us to begin with. Wasn't meant for us to handle in the beginning. And then this situation, the Bible said, the battle is not yours, but it's God. And he said, tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight this battle. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? You shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord will be with you. Well, if the battle is the Lord's, then why are you telling me I've got to go out and I've got to take a position? You see, the battle is not yours and he doesn't want you to fight the battle. 
but He wants you to face the battle. The battle is not yours, but you've got to face it. He'll fight it for you, but you've got to take a position. What position is that? That God is faithful. That the same God who has brought me to this point will carry me on. That the same God who's healed me before will heal me again. That the same God who has delivered, brought, brought me through situations and circumstances that I couldn't handle on my own, that same God is still with me. He will not leave me and he will not forsake me, but he'll go with me all of the way. These battles that come out of nowhere. In fact, the Bible said that they came up a certain direction and when the person that brought the word about it, he said they are, are at a place about 25 miles away from where Jerusalem is now. He said, in other words, they're already so close that there's nothing you can do about it. There's no need to prepare now because they're a day's journey away. In other words, it took him by such surprise. He had no plan, had no strategy. He had no inside information, didn't know the strength. He didn't have any spies. He had, had no intelligence. All he knew was they're on their way. Moab and Ephraim, they're on their way. And they're going to destroy Jerusalem. Their purpose is to fight against Judah. And that news and that all-encompassing word would strike fear in every heart. But when Jehoshaphat heard that word, it sent him to his knees and it sent him to inquire from the Lord. He sought for the prophet. He wanted to know what was going to take place. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. Have you ever gotten into a conflict that was so severe that it drove you to your knees? That it drove you to a place that you just put your head in your hands and you just seemed to just look down. He had his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. You see, for some people, it drives us to our knees to be depressed and shake and tremble, but it drove these people to their knees. What for? They fell down in worship before the Lord. They felt like the way you handle bad news is not to go screaming, wringing hands, but to fall upon your knees and worship. Worship. You see, when, when that great man of patience, Job, got the word, your, your children are all dead, when he got that word, that all of your wealth is perished. When he got that word that everything was lost, the Bible said, here was his response. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away and blessed be the name of the Lord. He was not willing to let that, that misfortune and that bad news to rob him and steal his worship. His worship. The Bible says to worship at all times. His praise, listen, His praise will continually be in my mouth. In other words, I won't just be a barometer that rises and falls with the pressure. I won't just be a person that when things are going good, I'll go to church and love God, but if things go bad, 
that I'm going to sit somewhere and soak and sour. No. He said, I'm going to love the Lord at all times. I'm going to all, at all times praise Him. At all times, I'm going to maintain my faith just like I always do. One day and its circumstances are not going to determine the measure of my faith and my commitment to God. Now let me ask you something. What does Judah mean? Three or four? It means praise. When your praise is attacked, when there's a battle about your praise, you see, when the wife came over to Job, she said to Job, Dost thou still hold thy integrity to God? Are you still praising? Sitting here, you stink so bad I can't get close to you. You're so repulsive. These running sores, all of this, this terrible corruption, and you're sitting on an ash heap and got a potsert and you're scraping scab and pus off of your limbs and, and you're telling me that you're going to praise the Lord in a condition like that? You see, when the, when the heart of the matter is your praise, I want to tell you, your praise is worth fighting for. I said your praise is worth fighting for. Your worship is worth fighting for. You don't let anything steal or conquer your worship. Nothing, nothing can defeat your praise. Don't ever stop praising the Lord. In the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, do the same. When Jehoshaphat heard we're being attacked, and I'm so late learning this, it has sneaked up on me until I'm totally unprepared for it. I don't have the army prepared. I don't have anything set up. I don't have a plan. I don't have anything ready. All I've got is news that we are about to be attacked by a strong, powerful army. What am I going to do? Have you ever been attacked by something that was so large that you went to God and said, what am I going to do? Have you ever faced a foe that was so powerful in opposition that you scratched your head and said, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. I wish I had a nickel for every time Christian people have told me, Brother Ford, what in the world am I going to do? I've heard that at hospitals. I've heard it at funeral homes. I've heard it at gravesides. I've heard it so many times that it is so often repeated. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, the time to get a strategy is not when you get surprised. The time to get a strategy is before the battle starts. The time to get a strategy is right now when times are good and soft winds are blowing and everything's pleasant and everything is good. Hey, that's the time to make up your mind what you're going to do. Because sometimes things get crazy when you get some bad news. And sometimes things get upset and you kind of lose your mind there for a little bit. Sometimes you say things you don't mean. Sometimes you evaluate things incorrectly hey, and say, I can't do this. Yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Yes, you can. Don't make those statements that, that don't make sense. 
you can make it through because he's given you a promise. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you all the way. And in everything, I'll make a way. I'll make a way for your escape. Nothing, no, no foe, no battle, no enemy will ever defeat you to where you've got to turn and run. Praise God. Always made conquerors. Always made winners. The good times sometimes are the times when battles come. Second Chronicles 17, 5 and 6. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in Jehoshaphat's hand. And all of Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents. And he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away those high places and the groves out of Judah. Our adversary usually launches his attacks at a time when spirituality is at a high tide. When things are good. Because you see, when things go bad and when things are tough, and we've read in God's Word, we've seen in the Bible when times get tough for God's people. Amen. In fact, we're living in some pretty tough times right now. And the Bible tells us that in the latter times, what would happen? Some shall depart from the faith. What caused them to depart? Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In other words, the devil would launch such a spiritual attack on the church that it would overthrow the faith of some. And that means apostasy. That means an abandonment of the faith. It doesn't mean backsliding. It means just total departure from the truth as it is in Jesus. It's apostasy. So when Satan attacks us spiritually, then we have to be strong spiritually in order to combat the attack that has come against us. When Jehoshaphat found out that he was about to go through something that was larger than he'd ever been through before. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 and 2, it talks about how that attack was a very deceitful. It wasn't something he... Can I say it like we would say? They sneaked up on him. Has something ever just sneaked up on you? You believe that one of the tactics of the devil is stealth? Do you believe the devil is a stalker? Well, I want to tell you, he is a stalker. He stalks his prey. He gets to know his prey. He gets to know what your habits are. He gets to know about what really causes you so much consternation. And he comes at us after he gathers his his intelligence, then he strategizes and he develops his devices. The Bible said we are not ignorant concerning Satan's devices. You mean Satan has devices that he uses to overthrow our faith? Yes. I told you about the tool sale that Satan had, didn't I? Had one tool there and he had it priced up real high, Thad. And everybody asked, said, why do you want so much for that tool? He said, because it's the best one I got. What was the best tool he had? Discouragement. Discouragement. 
You see, when people get discouraged, it's, it's, it's a seed that can become hopelessness. And when people get hopeless, they get to a point where they lose the drive and the motivation to go forward and just stand status and stand still. The enemy is coming in, and he's almost 25 miles away. No time to do anything about it. You see, that unholy alliance that he'd entered into with Ahab, that unholy alliance that he entered into in that business venture, he learned a valuable lesson. He found out, I'd better go ask God something about this before I commit to join up with these things. You mean we ought to pray about stuff like that, Pastor? Yeah, you really should. Because it matters who you join yourself up to. It matters who you align yourself with. Christians need to be careful about what we join. Don't spend your time fighting battles that aren't yours. That sounded so good, I think I'll say it amen. Again, I got two amens. I'm going to go for five this time. Christians ought not to get involved fighting battles that are not theirs. Amen. Amen. Why? Because you need all the strength you've got to fight your own battle. You don't need to be worried about somebody else's battle. They'll fight that battle, and the same God that strengthens you will strengthen them. If they'll do right and live right and call upon him, he said, I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Amen. Don't get all, all overwrought about somebody else's battle. Pray for them. Amen. But don't make decisions for them in their battle. Well, I'll tell you right now what I'd do if I was you. Be careful about folks who tell you that. They're not you. And they don't walk in your shoes. And they don't live in your house. And they don't have covenant relationships with people you've got covenants with. And anybody can talk loud and long about when they're telling somebody else what to do. Amen to my own preaching. Don't you let somebody woo you into a place where you've got to make critical decisions about a battle that has nothing to do with you. Amen. You need to save that strength for your battle. Why are you saying, Pastor, mind your own business? you got enough business to manage on your own without going out hunting somebody else to manage theirs. This world is full of people that run around hunting somebody else's business to try to run it for them. Well, who made them an authority about everything? You'd think the way some people talk, they know everything about everything. Well, I'll tell you what you ought to do right there. Well, what happened when you did? Well, when I'm talking about what I did, I'm just telling you what you ought to do. Amen. Don't want fat people telling me how to lose weight. Don't want bald-headed people telling me how to grow hair. Preach, Pastor. Quit meddling. Don't spend your time fighting battles. Your peace is your responsibility. And you'll never have peace as long as you're all tore up over somebody else's battle. Amen. 
Don't be so quick to fight somebody else's battle. Unreliable information can cause you so much emotional drama. You don't need someone else's drama. It's all the battle you can fight to handle your own drama. Amen. Granny used to say, every tub has to sit on its own bottom. What that means is, mind your own business. Amen. He was shocked by the news that he heard. No time to prepare for the attack. The battle was bigger than he was. The battle had sneaked up on him. In 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 5, he developed a strategy. You got it? First, verse 5. When you don't know what God is doing. And sometimes things happen in my life and yours when I don't understand. I don't know what God is doing. I wish I could tell you everything God does, I know why he's doing it and what he's doing it for. I don't know those things. He knows so much more than I know. His ways are so far above my ways as far as the heaven is above the earth. Then Jehoshaphat stood up. Last time we saw him, he had face down. There comes a time when you got to get up. There just comes a time when standing up is what you got to do. The Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Go to 2020. And early in the morning... They left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said this, Listen to me, praise. Listen to me, praise and praisers of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Amen. Wow, I feel like saying that again. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. In other words, you won't be destroyed. You won't, you won't be killed. You won't be done away with. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Those preachers of the word of God that tell you what God's word says. You need those guys. I said you need those guys. You need someone to remind you that God's word is true, that God's word is faithful. Let me tell you what all of this is about. Last time Jehoshaphat said I got in trouble, it was about me. And he said I own that, but this time, Lord, this is not about me. It's not about me joining something I shouldn't join. It's not about me investing in something I shouldn't invest in. I own it, Lord. I was wrong. I, I should have done differently, but that was me. Now, Lord, we're talking about something that's not about me. It's about you. Now, Lord, we're talking about something that belongs to you. My experience in the past, yes, I, I made a mess of things. I shouldn't have joined up with Ahab. I should never have let those, those kings convince me to build those ships from Tharshish and, and, and get those sailors and, and, and go and try to get gold back. That was a pipe dream. And I made mistakes, God. 
But that was about me. Now we're talking about you. We're talking about a battle that's not mine. It's a battle that belongs to you. And Lord, I'm not going to take that battle away from you and try to work it out myself. I'm going to let you work that out because it's not mine, it's yours. I don't understand it. I don't know how to fight it. I'm defeated before I start. But God, you are the owner of this battle. This battle is your idea. And let me tell you what this battle is about. This battle is about possessions. God said, I have a people, and they're the people of my hand, the apple of my eye, the righteousness of God. They're my people. They belong to me. And God said, I always take care of what is mine. If it belongs to me, I take care of it. You missed a good place to shout. God said, if it belongs to me, then I will take care of it. My job is to make sure that everything belongs to him. That I'm not out here on an ego binge trying to rob him of some of the glory and the praise and the worship. That I'm not standing over here with a prideful heart and a prideful spirit trying to get my reputation built up because it's all of God. It's nothing of me. I am a zero. God is the one who counts. He is the one who matters. All glory, all honor, all praise, all worship is due unto the Lord our God. It's about his people. It's about his city. It's about his kingdom. It's about his praise. The devil has been trying to get God's praise since the very beginning. You see, one time the devil was a worship leader. Did you not know that? He was the anointed cherub. He led the worship. But he got to a place where he said, I would rather be the one that is worshipped rather than the one who is worshipping. Instead of leading worship, I'd rather be receiving worship. And he set out upon a plan to rob God of the worship that is due unto him. And a third of heaven agreed with him in his rebellion. Come on, somebody. And it was all about worship. Worship. The Bible tells us that worship belongs to the Lord. That praise belongs to the Lord. The Bible tells us that all of our efforts of worship belong to the Lord. So God is about to go to this battle. He said, yeah, we're going to fight this battle because this battle is not yours. This battle is mine. This is about praise. This is about my possession. Praise belongs to me. My people that I have bought with my name, my people that I've marked and claimed as my very own, 
My people who are engraven upon the palms of my hand. My people are my private possession. And I'm not going to allow the devil to come and steal from me what belongs to me. Last time I preached it, it said, Jesus said, I will build my church. My church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What he meant was, I'm set to take care of my church. I'm set to take care of my church that is built upon the rock, Christ Jesus the Lord. My church that has a chief cornerstone, that we are spiritual stones that are built up a spiritual house. Hallelujah. He gave all these descendants. Did you see that about the descendants? Read on down there a little bit. Gave all those descendants, and he talked about Zechariah, and he talked about Maniah, and he talked to Benai, and he went back through all those generations talking about, about how they, they'd been people that had loved the Lord. Pastor, why did he go through all those generations? Because every generation represented a generation where God was faithful. Where God was faithful. Can you look back on times in your life and find faithfulness of God? Can you go back in the chronicles of your life and go back in your memory and find instances where God was faithful? Can you recall times in your life when it took a miracle and God gave a miracle? Can you recall times in your life when there was no other answer and God became the answer? Can you recall times in your life when there was no meal in the barrel and no oil in the cruise and God provided for you through a famine? Can you remember a time in your life when everybody said you're going to surely die and not live and God brought you through? Can you recall a time in your life when you had a, needed a prayer answered and there was no other way it could possibly happen but God made it happen for you? No other explanation, no other way you could explain it. God did it. Well, I want to tell you, you need to remember those times of God's faithfulness. Remember those times when you're attacked. You see, if the prophet had not spoken and Judah would have gone out to battle, they would have lost. Are you kidding me, Pastor? I'm not kidding you. I'm going exactly what it says. If the prophets had not spoken, and if they had gone out there as they were at that time, they would have lost the battle. Well, how did they resolve all of that, Pastor? Come on and help me quit, brother. Some of you are fighting today and losing because you're fighting on the wrong level. Listen, you cannot fight spiritual battles by carnal means. You can never accomplish a spiritual victory by fleshly effort and energy. Friendship with the world is enmity with Christ. You cannot be a friend of this world and be the friend of the Lord Jesus. What are you saying, Pastor? We've got three enemies. Number one is the world. 
Number two is the flesh. Number three is the devil. I'll tell you who is not our enemy. You ready for this one? Ephesians 6 and 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. What does that say? That says that no human being is my enemy. Flesh and blood, I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm not striving and fighting against a person or persons. No, it's a spiritual thing. It's much higher than that. It's much more lofty than that. So many are fighting on that wrong level. Some of you are fighting with people. And some of those that you're fighting with are good people and trying to help you. We fight them because we're so insecure, so prideful, and our ego drives us to battle. And then we lose the battle in our spirit because we're more concerned about defending our pride and our ego than we are about contending for the faith and power with God and His provisions for us. You know what I found out? There's two things that are very related. One is anger, the other is fear. And sometimes when we're afraid of something, we mask our fear by being loud and angry. We want to show ourselves that we're big and strong and able to handle this thing. Do you need any help? No. I can handle this job all by myself. Need any help? No help wanted. I've learned that we mask our fear sometimes with anger. Sometimes we want to appear big and boisterous on the outside because we feel so little on the inside. Sometimes we have to realize he's not mad at me. He's afraid. She's not mad at me. She's afraid. Sometimes we take emotions and we cover up one with another. Verse 15, don't be afraid, he says, of that vast army. That army that's come in invading, they're too big for you. The battle's not for you. The battle is God's. Don't worry, worship. God is saying this morning to many of you sitting here, if you'll stop striving, if you'll stop struggling in a battle that's not yours and just worship me, just worship me, just worship me and praise me, you'll find the peace that you're looking for. Jehoshaphat bowed his head and all Judah and the inhabitants fell on their face. He didn't have to fight it, but he did have to face it. Sometimes it's better for us to face it let me tell you, when Jesus was in the garden, you remember when the soldiers came to arrest him? Peter, the Bible said, drew his sword and he said, I'm going to handle this battle my way. Drew his sword and cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. His name was Malchus. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Peter, this is not it. This is not the battle. And Jesus reached down and got Malchus' ear and put it back on his head. Why did Jesus tell Peter, put your sword up? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Because there's a bigger battle that's going on. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to give my life 
That's the big battle. Don't fight these little battles over somebody's ear because I'm going to the cross and buy redemption for Jerry Bowman. I'm going to go give my life for Natalie so that she'll have salvation. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to Calvary. I'm going to shed my blood so that Glenda can have redemption and reconciliation. I'm going to do the bigger battle, the big battle zone. We're not, this is a little battle. Put your sword up. We're not going to let a little battle deter us and get us off track from the big battle. You know, I wonder sometimes, the big battle is, I got to make it to heaven. I got to make it to heaven. Brother, if I can win that battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and I can win a home in heaven, hallelujah, that's the big battle. And do you think I'm going to lose out with God and lose my faith over some little confrontation with somebody here on this earth? They are not worth it. You know, sometimes the Lord will just say to you, say, somebody just be eating you up about something, just mean as they can be, talking ugly about you. I read things sometimes on Instagram that just hurt you. You want you want just I'm gonna call them up. You sorry low down thing. Why in the world you put that on Instagram about me? You don't even know what you're talking about, you idiot. Why do you want to fight a battle? that don't really matter. Don't really matter. The big picture is, I'm on my way to heaven. You think I'm going to fool around and get in a little mess with you over what's going on up there in heaven? No, that's the big picture. That's the big battle. I'm not going to get a little one and fool around with that little one. Let me see if I can put this to bed. Second Chronicles 20 and 20. They rose up early in the morning and went forth to the wilderness. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, you have it at Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord and you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you'll prosper. 22. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come out against Judah, and they were smitten. In other words, they didn't have to fight. They didn't have to shoot one arrow. They didn't have to take one spear and thrust it. They didn't have to do anything, nothing with a shield, nothing with a helmet, no kind of fighting at all. All they did was do what? Worship. And how did, who'd they have out front? We'd have put the Lancers out front, wouldn't we? You know who they put out front? Singers. Get the singers. Get the singers to start singing. Get the worshipers to start worshiping. Get all the people that have a voice to lift up their praise and worship the Lord. And the Bible said when they began to sing, is that not what it says right up there? It says 22. See it right up there? As they began to sing and praise, the Lord started fighting. I said the Lord started fighting. The Lord started fighting. 
Let me tell you, Harvest, this morning, if you'll sing and praise, the Lord will start fighting the battle. If you'll worship, if you'll sincerely pour out your heartfelt worship to God, then God will fight the battle for you. He'll fight the battle for you because the battle is the Lord's. It's not yours. It's not yours. Stand with me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. When are you going to understand? The battle is the Lord's. I preach sometimes about that great surprise. And for many, the coming of the Lord is going to be a great surprise. A great surprise. For most of the church world today, they're not really looking for Jesus. Not really looking for Him. If the church was really looking for Jesus, you wouldn't get a seat in here this morning. This place would be packed out. You wouldn't be able to get in the door if we were really looking for Jesus. You know, if we knew for a certainty today, if we knew, if we got some, some kind of a notice, and we knew that at 12, 15, 30 minutes or so, a little more, the Lord is coming back, what would you do? If you knew you had 30 minutes till the Lord is coming back, what would you do? Some of you'd run to the telephone and call up some loved ones. Hey, I just got word for sure the Lord's coming in 30 minutes. And if you, if you don't give your heart to God, you're going to be left here. You won't go. You've got to get right with God, son. Give your heart to God this very moment. You don't have long. You, you need to take seriously what I'm saying to you now. You need to get right with God. Some of you have to jump in the car and try to make it home. Hey, honey, I, I just found out at church the Lord's coming in just a few minutes. And I know you love me, and I know you've provided for our family, but you've never let, let, made a decision for the Lord. And I need to pray with you right now, and, and we need to accept the Lord because you're not going to go if you don't change. What would you do if they knew the Lord was coming? Well, I feel impelled by the Spirit of God to tell you, whatever you intend to do as a last-ditch effort to get the people you love ready to go when the Lord comes, you need to be about that business. You need to be doing that. Because for many, if you knew how close that you are, some it would scare you to death if you knew how close you were. But I want to tell you, that's the big picture. That's the big picture. If you've sat here all these years and heard preaching all of these years and it has not affected you one bit in the world, then I would be more worried about that than whether my social security check is going to come this week or whether I'm going to get this or that. If there's never been a change in you, you need to really seriously start thinking about that because once that trumpet sounds, there are no second chances. You can't afford to be wrong because if you're wrong about this, 
I've got plenty of time. I'm not going to let that pastor out there stir me. I'm not going to get upset at what he said. All right, you'll hear it your last time one day. And I don't mean to be mean with your hateful. I mean to say it with all the love I can tell you. Whatever you're going to do to be ready when Jesus comes back, you need to be doing that. You need to be doing that. Praise the Lord. Raise your hand all over this house. Lord Jesus, we come to you now. God, we pause in the presence of the Holy Spirit, presence of your word. We know, oh God, that you are a mighty God, that you're soon coming. We know, Lord, that our hearts must be prepared to meet you or else we won't go in peace with you. I pray, Lord Jesus, right now all over this house that men and women, boys and girls, all over this house will make a decision right now if they've not made it, that they'll make a decision right now that whatever I need to do to get ready for the Lord to come, I right now want to do that in Jesus' name. Lord, if I need to forget the forgiveness of sin, then you forgive me of my sin, and I trust your shed blood. If I need right now to give myself wholeheartedly to the Lord and surrender all that I am to Him, I do that right now in the name of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I think somebody's doing that right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want to be ready in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now then, could we worship? Like we said, some, some folks need victory today. And it might be this worship. It might be this season of worship. It might be this time of praise. Come on, let's worship Him and praise Him. Come on, let's worship and praise Him. The battle is the Lord's. When they began to sing and they began to worship, the Lord began to fight. Oh, hallelujah. When the church prays, when the church worships, then God begins to fight. Yes, He does. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Hallelujah.